Word of God, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to the book of Romans in chapter 13. Romans in chapter 13. And while you're turning there, we once again would like to welcome our radio audience. This is Brother John Lybrook, pastor of the Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church at Oak Town. That's just the side of Greenham County, out of Carter County. You can get to us by taking Route 1 or Route 7. We have a sign on either end of Laurel Road giving you directions to the meeting house known as Emmanuel. We pray God will just bless. We will also or want to take his time to thank all those that have tuned in to WGOH here, a portion of God's Word. Today, and as we look at this portion of Scripture, I'm going to begin at verse 11. We'll read down through the rest of the chapter. And I want us to consider some things today. We here are praying for revival. We're praying for souls to be saved. We're praying for the saved to be drawn closer to the Lord. And that is our desire. I know in our prayer rooms at night, we have uh, oh somewhere usually between nine and ten uh, individuals in our men's prayer room. I know there could be more. And Brother Jim was talking just a moment ago, and I, I pray that we, I pray that we have to uh, fill our, not only fill up that room, maybe more rooms to come in and pray, especially for this body. We're praying for revival. We're praying for a changing of our of our thought process. And today, as I as I stand in this this place, I stand behind this old pulpit. I know the responsibility that comes by being the man of God and one of the Lord's true churches. It's not something that I take lightly. It's not something that I uh, shrug off or delegate my responsibilities as a man of God to somebody else. This is a very solemn place to be. And as such, after 19 years of being your pastor, I'm still nervous. I still get nervous when I stand before the Lord's people anywhere. I just, uh, I, I know the, I know the responsibility that God has placed upon the pastor or the preacher that delivers His Word. Listen, this is not, this is not something that I take lightly. And as we are gathering again and, and praying for revival, we're praying for a stirring of souls and hearts. Romans lets us know that it's high time. It is high time. It's time for the slumbering church to come to life. Amen. It's time for men of God, I'm talking not just the pastor, but the laymen in the body, to come to a place, as Brother Jim spoke of this morning, we come to a place of realizing the responsibility as such. Yesterday, when I was addressing the men in, in the meeting down to Faith Baptist Church, I in a roundabout way, put all of us on notice. And I think about this when I look at these little children, I look at these young, these young boys that are coming up under the fathers and grandfathers of this church. 
And I wonder what's gonna, what the church is going to look like 20 or 30 years down the road, the Lord tearing is coming. What's it going to be like? What's, a, what's the situation here on Laurel Road going to be like if, if the lighthouse that we intend to be or if the lighthouse that we want to see comes to fruition in, in our time, what is 30 years down the road going to look like in this community? What's your family's going to look like? What's it going to be like for maybe those that have gone on? Maybe they're... Maybe in that span of time, there's going to be some death come knocking at the doors of our families. What's our thought process going to be concerning those that's gone on? In Romans chapter 13 and and beginning at verse 11, the Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Folks, I want you to know today that there's way too many Christians and way too many churches that are simply slumbering and simply have fallen asleep at the wheel. There's too many churches today who have found themselves to be a wreck because there has been no seriousness behind the pulpit. That's a reason why that I... I try my very dead level best to be serious behind the pulpit of any church that I'm preaching in because a man of God shouldn't, number one, he shouldn't be a gesture. And I know I hear preachers all the time say, oh, you're an old stick in the mud or, or you just need to get with the times and, and have a little icebreaker. Well, I've got your icebreaker for you. Folks, right here it is. This is the Word of God. It's a burning torch. It's a flaming fire. The Bible tells us that it is also a crushing hammer. Now, there's the icebreaker today. But I want, to, I want you to focus on a few things with me as we get into this scripture. And I want you to investigate your own lives, whether you be a saved woman in this house or a saved man, whether you be a child that's under the understanding of salvation yourself, Ask yourself this one question today. As we are looking for a time of refreshing, am I, am I a contributor to the revival that's to be had? Or that's not to be had? The Bible states again in our text reading in verse 11 of of the book of Romans in chapter 13, and that knowing the time, that it is high time. It's high time, folks. It's high time, men. It's high time that we get a seriousness about our hearts. What happens today in your heart will be evident in the young children's lives that are in this house 15 years down the road. So I ask you the question today. Are you ready? 
Are you as an individual, and I'm talking, and and I am talking today primarily to the saved men of this body, are you as an individual ready to be that leader that our families desperately need in this house and in this community, this meeting? Now stop and and I want you to just again to think about the meeting that we're about to embark upon. Has your thought already been, well, I'll go if I'm not somewhere else. I'll go if I don't have something else to do. I'll go if There's something not pressing in my timeline. Folks, I want you to realize today that we are praying for the souls of our children. Amen. We are praying for the souls of our grandchildren and we're praying for the souls of every lost individual that's in this house this very day. The way that I start every day of my life is praying for the lost souls that are gathering in the house of God every time we come in praying that God will bring salvation to those that are standing in great need even in this house this morning. As I stand here today and I I have this little child that's wrapped around my legs, I want you to know that I know the importance of being what I need to be for that little child that just went back with her mother. Not not so so reluctantly maybe, but uh, she's gone back with her mother. But as I sit and I I think about these little children here, we're praying for souls. We're praying for a stirring of our minds. We're praying for not just a meeting, but a real revival. You know how it's going to come? Folks, I want you to know something. It was said yesterday, and I agree with it to some degree, That God is the only one that can bring revival. And I understand what the man was saying. But this know also that God is not going to bless where he cannot bless. And God will not bless sin. And and regardless of what you want to call it. Listen, if if you're not interested in the souls of your children and grandchildren, that to me states that you're living in sin. Listen, I want you to know today that this is the message that is designed to grab a hold of our thought process, first of all, and that we see these little ones that's coming up under us, listen, with a need for salvation, amen? For real, heaven sent salvation. The Bible states again, and that knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. Folks, I want you to know how soon it is that the Lord could come back. The Bible states that all the things that that He warns us about and the things that gives us an indication of when His soon return will be has already transpired and come to fruition in our own days. So the Bible states here, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. 
And I said yesterday uh, to the men that were gathered in that, in that place yesterday to worship, listen, I said, listen, I want you to know something. The day is at hand. It's not that God has sent His Son to open the door. I believe that the door is open and He's standing just waiting to reverberate, come up hither. Folks, that's how close it is. All you have to do is just look at the signs of the times and you look at the events of the world that's going on today and you'll understand if you know anything about, about uh, uh, the, the book of Revelation and, and the book of Daniel and some of these other great books, listen, you'll know that He is even now at the door. And, and as I'm sitting there thinking this, I can almost see the Lord's mouth as he begins to open it to say come up hither I can almost see that's how close we are folks I want you to know something this is the day of salvation this is the day that God's men and God's churches need to get aware of and know that now is the time because you're not promised tomorrow as a matter of fact, as I look at tomorrow, it may never come. The Bible states that we are so close to going home that before we walk out those doors, it could come at any moment. The Bible says again in verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What are the works of darkness to a Christian? Now I want you to think with me for just a while today because we're going we're gonna to mention some things that's going to get on some people's toes. But I want you to realize something with me. We are not messing around this time with revival service, amen? We are getting serious about revival because I want to see souls saved by the grace of God and I want to see God's people living where they need to be in order to be blessed. The Bible states very, very emphatically that the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. What is one of those works of darkness that you know that's in your heart right now? Think about it. I, don't, I know you don't have to think very long because if you're saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit's already told you exactly what it is that's hindering your, your, your work in salvation of the Lord. God's already delivered it to you, hasn't he? What is it today that's hindering you? What is it today? Is it maybe something that you're putting ahead of God? Is there, is there something going on in your life that you have made a God or a little idol in front of God, the great God of heaven? You say, well, no, I, I would never do anything like that. Listen, you do that every time that you vacate the house of God without a reason that is reasonable uh, uh, for, the, for, for to the acceptance of God. Listen, in other words, if you're not providentially hindered, and I use that word very lightly because it's not found in the Bible, but I know there's things that come up in a person's life from time to time that God has placed there. And maybe God has, and listen, if God's placed it, it's not going to be hurtful to you. If God has placed something in your life to keep you from the house of God, listen, there's something about, about this thing of blaming God. That's the reason why I can't go all the time. Folks, be careful about that. Be very careful about that. 
You know, Brother Jim mentioned the fact that our prayer room, you know, it, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I thank God for our prayer room. I thank God that we have these young men in our prayer room. And I thank God that they're coming up and they're learning some things about the prayer room. I want you to know something else. I thank God when I hear a young man begin to pray for the souls of his brothers. I thank God that when I hear a young man begin to pray for his little cousins and for those that are coming up in the, in the church, I thank God that I hear a young man actually shed tears for his own that God might save their souls. Would to God that grown men would do that from now on. It's high time. I look at a grandson. I look at the, I look at the, I look at your children and grandchildren. Listen, I that little girl that come up here and was a hanging on to my leg just now. I want you to know something. I look at that little girl and her sister just like my grandchildren, and I love them with all of my heart. But you know what I want to see? I want to see the Lord save their souls when they come to an age of of knowing right and wrong. I want to see God save their souls. So what am I to do? Listen, just like her daddy and her mommy needs to be. Listen, they need to be sold out for the Lord. They need to be praying for God to save them at an early age. That's what I've been praying for that young man right there ever since the day that God brought him upon the earth. I began to pray, Lord, save him in a young age. You know what he done the other night? I'm, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but listen, he told his mommy the other night that he has trusted the Lord as his Savior. He's, he's asked the Lord to come into his heart. Folks, I want you to know something. That is precious to me. That's what I've been praying for. And that's what I've been praying for your children about. Listen, that God would save them at an early age. That God would save our teenagers before they get into adulthood because out there in the world, it's a wicked place to be and they need to be protected by the hand of God Almighty. Amen? That's what they need today. They need a change of heart. And listen, I'll tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take God's people being where they need to be in order for God to bless them and to see salvation come about. God's people need to be somewhere special. The Bible states in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 that if my people, number one, if you're saved by the grace of God, you're a child of the King. And the Bible says we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek His face. When does that take place? When we turn from our wicked ways. What will happen when we turn from our wicked ways and seek the face of God? Listen, it's untelling what can happen in a house of God when God begins to really break out revival amongst the people of God. You know, I... I, I one thing I'm going to say, and I want you to understand what I'm saying, this thing that's going on uh, with Asbury, you know, uh, you, need, you just need to be careful. Be careful there. You don't understand. Listen, if the media is bragging it all up, it's dangerous, I'm telling you. I'm, I want you to know right now what's going on uh, at Asbury where they've, got, where they've got sodomites galore that's filling the that's filling up the, the revival. You listen to me. You understand this, that it's all a show. You know what's happening when, when real revival breaks loose? 
Listen, the media is not going to be bragging on it. You know what they're going to do? They're going to start calling you a bunch of fanatics. They're going to start calling you a bunch of, what is this? Hmm? Yeah, well, Bible thumpers. They call me a Bible thumper anyhow. They call me a hater because I preach against sin, because I preach against the Sodomite lifestyle. Listen, I want you to know something today. Uh, 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 the Bible states that, that those that, that call bad good and good bad, you need to beware of them. And that's exactly what the media is doing today. The Bible says, listen, for us to see God's blessing upon us, now, I might as well put this book up because it's not helping me a bit right now. That's a different message altogether. I'll preach it some other time. But I want you to know something. As I began to look at this this morning and I began to, and I sat there and I had my, my sermon open to, to, that, to that sermon, you know, it's high time. Folks, I want you to know something. It is high time. It's high time for people to get serious about the Word of God and about the church of God and about your life as a Christian so-called. Listen, are you serious today? It'll tell in the days to come. I want to stop for just a moment. The Bible says in verse 13, let us walk honestly. Listen, are you walking honestly before God? Are you walking honestly before His people? Are you walking honestly before His Word? Listen, there ought to be a change in the hearts of people this very moment. There ought to be a change in our hearts. I mean, if you really say you are what you are, there needs to be a change happening right now in your very demeanor. We're talking about children out here that need to be saved. We're talking about young people that need to know the Lord's our Savior. We're talking about dads and moms that need the salvation of the Lord. We're talking about family unions that are being broke down by the devil himself. And the only thing that's going to save the family today is the Lord himself. Amen. Folks, I want you to know something today. The family unit is being destroyed today. You know why? Because the family, the heads of the family have walked away from sound truth. They've walked away from the Word of God. They've walked away from the responsibility of being what they need to be in the house of God in the place where God wants them to be. The Bible says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. There's a lot of people today going to get mad for what I'm preaching and how I'm preaching. But you need to realize something. I've got a responsibility as your pastor. I've got a responsibility as the man of God in this place to make sure that you know the truth and that you hear the truth. Today, as I've stated just a moment ago, listen, there's too many churches too many pastors, too many preachers have walked away from sound truth. I was telling the men yesterday down to Quincy and we had a great, a pretty good number of men that were there. 
men that came from many different churches and, and there was a great stirring going on amongst the people of God. Listen, I was telling the men yesterday that the Bible states in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14 and verse 40, listen, that everything in the church is to be done decently and in order. I took them to Titus in chapter 1, I believe it's a verse 5, where the Apostle Paul was telling Titus the reason why that he should stay there was that he might keep things in order. You know, those are two different words used all together in the Greek language. The word order in the book of Titus was stating, listen, how things ought to be in the house of God. The word order used in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40 is a word denoting secession. In other words, this is something that ought to be carried all the way back to the days of Jesus Christ. The way we carry on church. Listen, I want you to know something. I'm an old-fashioned preacher and I'm an old-fashioned teacher of the Word of God and I believe in the old-fashioned values of a church. Amen? Amen. Listen. An old-fashioned church doesn't need to have three different types of services going on on a Sunday morning. I believe we need to have the service that God intended us to have. And I believe that's what's going on in this house today. Listen, I understand this. And, you know... More power to you. The more you want to preach, more power to you. But let me tell you something. I've got an old traditional heart and I've got an old-fashioned heart that says this is the way it ought to be because the Bible says, and as Paul was talking to the church at Corinth, listen, keep things in order. And that word again talks about succession. A chain. The way it used to be. Don't change. You know, today, uh, you know, you hear so many churches that want to that want to change everything up, you know, just to get the crowds in. Listen, I want you to know something. Today we've got a we've got a small crowd to what we normally have. I think there's 65 people here if I counted right. But I want you to know something. I don't believe that you have to have all the world in order to have a good church service. Amen. You know what I believe happens? I believe it happens within our hearts individually. When you begin to sing the songs of praise and when you begin to feel an urging in your soul when the Word of God is being brought forth, Brother Jim, I'll tell you what, he was getting all over my toes. I don't know about you, but it was getting to me. But I want you to know something. We need revival like we used to have, folks. What they call them, brother? Protracted meetings? You know what that is? People don't know today. (laughs) I'll tell you what it is. That's when a revival was started and there's no end date. You know why? Because people don't want to stop something that's going on that's good. Would you not like to just keep on going until every lost soul in this house is saved by the grace of God? Amen, I would. Folks, I'll tell you what today. You say, well, well, we've got things to do. You've always had things to do. Prioritize your things. Put God first and everything else will fall into place, folks. That's what I'm saying about our attendance upon the, the worship service this coming week. If you've already made up your mind that you're not going to be here for every service, shame on you. 
Listen, I want to stop for just a moment and help you to realize something. When we call for a revival, when we vote to have a revival meeting, that means every one of you that voted has voted to, to take care of the revival. To see to it that number one, our hearts are ready. Number one, that our hearts has been prepared. Because dad, when your heart's ready, Grandpa, when your heart is prepared, these young people are going to notice it and your wives are going to notice it. Think about it for just a moment. Let all things, let me see this now and get my glasses on. <laughs> yeah, I was, all, I was in another book, wasn't I? Let all things be decently in order. Let's get back to Romans in 13. The Bible says, let us walk honestly. You know, I look out over this congregation. I see, I see visitors here with their grandchildren. I don't know, Donnie. I, I want to see these children saved. Amen. I want to see the Lord save them. I want to see a change in the hearts of mom and dad. And in the hearts of grandma and grandpa. I want to see a longing to see our little ones come to life. The Bible says in verse 11 again, for now is our salvation nearer than when we began. You know, than when we believed. You know what that really means? Our salvation is the fruition of its result, actually. Which means our going home is so much closer today than it was the day that we believed. I don't want to go without my children. And as I look out over this congregation, I've got a lot of children. I've got children that I held in my arms 19 years ago. They're in college today. They're my children. I've got children that are not here today. Folks, I want to see them saved by the grace of God. I've got men that I've, I've watched come up under the house of God and now they've got children. I want to see all of them saved by the grace of God. I want to see dad and mom saved. I want to see, I want to see children saved by the grace of God. So what are we to do? I've got about 15 minutes left. Brother Jim, yeah, I'm watching that clock. Radio sake is my main reason. But I want you to think about this. What are we to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with this service this morning? What are you going to do as an individual? What are you going to do, Dad? What are you going to do, Grandpa? Paul, whatever you want to be called. What are you going to do? Sad to say, you know, I, I was preaching in a revival meeting one time and I was preaching a message right along these types of in this line. I had a man to get, oh, he was irate. 
He was mad as far. And he came back to me at the door and met me at the door and he began to tell me how mad he was. And I asked him something. I asked him, I asked him about what, how many children do you have? He told me how many children he had and how many grandchildren he had. And I asked him, I said, are they saved by the grace of God? He said, no, not yet. And I asked him, I said, how serious are you then about seeing your children and grandchildren saved instead of going to the pits of hell? I said, the reason why people get mad today is simply because of pride has been injured. Now notice what God says here. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You want to see your children saved. You want to see revival break out in this house. You want to see your grandchildren brought to life. Listen, he says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh. Sad to say there's too many today that have made provision for the flesh. There's people right now in this house I know has already turned me off. They've made provision for their flesh. Their ears are hurting. Maybe they've got their toes pulled back in under the pew, but listen, know this, that what I'm telling you is truth and you know it. The Bible says, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why? Because we got souls weighing in the balance. Got souls hanging in the balance. The night is far spent. How many churches in America today are actually dead and don't even know they don't have a pulse? How many churches today? in our community, in our communities around us. How many churches today are just going through the motions? Emmanuel, I don't want to just go through the the motions. I don't want to work up emotions either. I want to make sure that what's going on in your life and what's going on in your heart is real. Do you have a desire Do you have a desire to see the souls of your children saved by the grace of God? Do you have a desire? And I'm not talking, yeah, I want to see them saved. Of course I do. No, I mean, do you really have a desire enough that it changes your life? Enough that it changes your way of thinking? Romans in chapter 12 with me, please, for just a moment. I want you to look at this back up just a little bit. And again, I want you to look at verse 1 and verse 2. Brother Jim was here this morning. I want you to look at this, and I want you to get a hold of it real good. Because this is what happens when real people have a real change in their minds. The Bible says, now look at, look at this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beseech you on mercy's sake today. Notice what's been happened in your life. I mean, are you saved by the grace of God today? It's because mercy intervened in your life. 
mercy and grace was bestowed upon you today. Now stop for just a moment and think about this. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Why is it just why is it reasonable? Why should God expect anything out of you? He saved you by his never dying grace. He's wiped your slate clean as far as your sins is concerned. He has placed you in the family of God. He's placed you in one of the best churches in this country, I think. Folks, I want you to know something today. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world. That's the problem in too many churches today. The church itself has been conformed to the world rather than the world conformed to the church. Now I want to stop right there for just a moment and help you to realize something. You are a witness. You are a light. You are an example to everybody that you come in contact with. You are, you are the person that they look to. Think about it. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Okay, church, you know what that means? It's time to start thinking differently. That's how you renew your mind. Start thinking differently. Think about your children. Don't think about the time that's elapsing this morning. Listen, we're already ahead in our... Listen, think about it. Think about where you're at right now. He says... Not to be conformed to the world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that takes different thinking. When you come into the house of God, realizing that this is a place that God's going to bless. Listen, you can understand that you're going to be blessed this day. If you come into the house of God looking for a blessing you're going to be blessed. But if you only come into the house of God today looking to find a problem with the preacher, listen, you don't have to look far. You don't have to look far. There are those in the world today that hate the man of God. Listen, you know why? Probably because he's preaching against your sin. Think about it. The Bible says, be you transformed by renewing your mind and that takes a different thought process. Come into the house of God. You want to be revived? You want to find, uh, you want to find uh, the, the day that your child or your grandchild calls and says, I've trusted the Lord as my Savior. You know what it's going to take? It's going to have to take a different thinking from you. Dad, you're the head of the spiritual head of the home. And as I look out over this congregation, I mean, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking seriously now. You're the spiritual head of the home. What do your children and grandchildren think of your church life? 
Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've had people that always tell me, I just don't know the will of God. Listen, you get in the Word and let it lead you and guide you, you'll find the will of God. You'll see the will of God. You'll know the will of God. This one thing I do know, I know it is the Lord's will that His church be revived and faithful. But listen, it will not just happen. Regardless of what any preacher will tell you, listen, God will not just revive a body. There has to be a change in an individual. Second Chronicles again in chapter 7 and verse 14. And I'm going to look at this and then I'll, I'll expound on it in a few minutes and then we'll get ready to come to a close. The Bible states again, again, remember, it's high time. This is, I'll have to name, my next message, I'll have to name it something different maybe. I don't know, but it is high time. No, I won't. I'll just say this is the second one, high time. (laughs) Number two, that's right. But listen to this. If my people, church, You want to see real salvation begin to break loose amongst your children and grandchildren? You want to see your homes begin to be blessed beyond measure? You want to see see, uh, uh, your children's homes. Maybe you're here today and you've got grandchildren. You've got children. Listen, they need to be blessed of God too. You know where it's going to begin? It's going to begin right in the heart of old mom and dad. Listen, think about it for just a moment. Think about where you're at. Think about where your children are right now. Are they in the house of God somewhere? Where are they at? Stop right here for just a moment and look at this with me. If my people... Are you saved by the grace of God today? Listen... It's high time then. If my people, it's high time to recognize the fact that you're a child of the King. It's high time to recognize the fact that you're a sinner and you are not perfect. And it's high time to humble yourself and repent. Amen? That's something that you don't see churches doing anymore. You don't see anybody... Matter of fact, they're, they're dared to go before the church and repent. Even though they know that's the way that God's going to bless. Even though they know that that's the area that God is dealing with right now in this house. Maybe He's dealing with your heart. The devil's saying, don't you dare get up there and embarrass yourself. Let everybody know you're a sinner. Listen, folks, we're sinners. I don't have to announce that. <laughs> Our lives denote it. Even though you're saved by the grace of God, you're still a sinner, but yet saved by the grace of God. And we still fail. We fail God. We fail His Word. 
We fail His church. We fail each other. We fail our spouses. We fail our children. We fail our grandchildren. You know why? Because we're unwilling to repent and to admit, I've been wrong. And people wonder why we're not seeing souls saved. And you'll say, well, salvation's of the Lord. Yes, it is. I know that. So is His blessings. And salvation's the greatest blessing I've ever heard of. The salvation of my children, my grandchildren are starting. Your children. Listen. Brother Grant, he was, I don't know, five months old when I first came here, five or six months old. I think Brennan was the first child born under my ministry here. And I remember holding him in my arms right here. Praying for his praying for his for his life that God would bless him. Praying for these two parents here that God would lead them and instruct them on how to bring him up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And praying that one day God would save his soul. And God saved his soul. I think he was in the first grade. First grade, the Lord saved him. Folks, I want you to know something. As I look out over this congregation, I've seen many of your children saved by the grace of God. This is not my work. That's the Lord's work. But know this. As I look out over there and I see these children that are being saved by the grace of God, the only thing I can do is praise God. Praise God. Folks, I'll tell you what it's going to take. This verse says it all. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. You know what that means? Relinquish pride. To admit wrong. To say within yourself, I need to make things right. You say, oh preacher, you're trying to put everybody on the spot. No, I'm not. That's between you and God, making things right between you and God. But I know this. I know when a, when a people begin to repent and turn to the Lord, I believe that the church is blessed beyond measure. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Are you ready to do that today? Are you ready to do that right in the pew where you're sitting right now? Are you ready to say, Lord, I am yours. I am resolved. Amen. I'm resolved in my heart. I'm resolved in my mind that I'm going to start putting you first. I'm resolved in my mind. I'm resolved in my heart. I'm going to start putting your word in my life. I'm resolved in my mind. I'm resolved in my heart that I'm going to lead my family in the way that's going to be blessed. Folks, I want you to know something. The Bible says again, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and shall pray and seek my face. 
What is it to seek the face of the Lord? You're doing it right now in the morning, this morning if you're serious-minded. If you're sitting here and you're paying attention to the Word of God, you're paying attention to the Holy Spirit that's in this house, knowing that He's here. Listen, that's the problem in too many churches today. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is there, too many people in the pew don't even realize that He's in the house. Listen, Jesus is in the house. He's here today. The best way to get yourself blessed is to realize that he's in the house and he could be sitting right beside you or he could be sitting with his hand upon your shoulder. I don't know how often times have been when I've actually felt the hand of God upon me. You know when it was? It was a time when I was scared to death. It was a time when I was bewildered. It's been a time when, when I know that had it not been for God, had it not been for God. Now, church family, I know this has been one of those different types of messages. I'll preach the other one tonight, maybe, Lord willing. But I know this. I know the necessity and the need of a church. I don't want to have just another meeting this week. I've already prayed concerning myself. I've already seeked the face of God. Let me ask you something. Are you ready to be blessed? Are you ready to be revived? Is it ready to start in your heart today? Right now? Right where you're sitting? He says, if my people will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What is considered wickedness? It's anything that's against God. It don't have to be pure, outright, devilish wickedness. It can be the simple fact that I haven't put God where He needs to be in my life. I haven't been what I need to be for my family. I haven't been what I need to be for my grandchildren. See, anything like that it's just pure sin to us. We don't even recognize sin. The more sad to say, we don't recognize sin in our own lives. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What, what's, it, what's the land that he's talking about here with, among us today? I believe it could be our church body. He could heal our body. Now, mine eyes shall be open and my ears attent unto the prayer that's made in this place. That's the reason why I think those prayer rooms are so important. We don't go in there and just shoot the breeze, folks. We don't go in there and talk about uh, sports or nothing like that. I'll tell you what we do. We go pray. And we pray for this body. We pray for the healing of the brotherhood. We pray for the love of the brotherhood. And we pray for the salvation of our children and grandchildren. We pray for this community. Let me say this today in closing. 
We're already past our radio time, I know that. But today as I, as I come to this time of close, we have been praying for revival for some time now. And I dare say that there have been many more, but I know uh, uh, two men that's been on visitation this week, and I thank God for it. And I dare say I know there's others that have been going out to our neighbors and talking to them about revival. But let me ask you something. How long has it been since you actually fell on your knees and prayed? Lord, number one, forgive me. Forgive me. How long has it been since you prayed that prayer? Number one, Lord, forgive me. And number two, Lord, save my family. Listen, if you haven't prayed that prayer about your family, you need to be praying for your sons and daughters and for your husbands and wives that are unsaved. You need to be praying, God, save their souls. And I'm not just saying, Lord, whatever it is, it is. I'm saying, plead with God. You say, well, I thought you was a sovereign grace preacher. I am a sovereign grace preacher. And I believe that salvation is of the Lord, but I know that he loves to hear his family pray for the family that he's given him. And I'm praying. I'm praying. Listen, I heard it said like this once, as, I'm, as an old preacher said. As he looked out over the congregation, he saw, he was, he was talking about unruly church members. But here's what I'm talking about. Lost souls, and I'm gunning for you. That's what he said. I'm gunning for you. I'm shooting those prayers right at you. I'm shooting those prayers to the Lord, praying that his, his bow will pull and your heartstrings will be touched with salvation. That's what I'm praying today. That every soul in this house will be saved. There's no reason why that it can't happen this very moment. You know where it's coming down to? You and the word that's been spoken. Will you come to him today? Will you trust him as your savior? Let's all stand please.